TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. All right, we are back here live at the Minnesota State Fair and Hammer. Is that a – okay, uh, P.J. Fleck is standing by to talk to us right now. Sid, you've got the first question for Coach Fleck. What do you know about South Dakota team? Well, they're a really good football team. Some uh, publications haven't picked to win a national title, whether it's North Dakota State, whether it's them. Uh, they're very talented. They've got an All-American receiver on offense. They've got a linebacker that's All-American on defense. Um, they're really talented. They play really well together. They're well coached. They've had consistency in their program for a long time. And uh, they got a really good quarterback that they're starting that's getting his first start. So um, they're a really good football team. They've got great specialists. And uh, But, again, they're a really good team. we just got to take care of us. We've got to worry about us. We've got to play our best football that we possibly can that we're capable of playing. And that's what we're going to focus on. They only have the, the Las Vegas gamblers have the only 12 and a half favored. I'm surprised. <laughs> you want to take that that's, one, PJ? <laughs> that, that's for all of you guys to talk about, not me. Said <laughs> so he's going to pass on that one. Go ahead. Next question. Okay. Talk about your team. Think you're ready for a big game? Look, the players have been working really hard. You know, we got a lot of work to do between now till game day. Uh, we're constantly preparing all the way through the event. But I'm really proud of our players and the progress they're making and how they're connecting and how well they've come together. Um, you know, but again, every season presents its own challenges. Um, you saw college football last night with all the challenges that are thrown people's way. You never know what kind of football team you truly have until you play your first game. So we're looking forward to doing that. PJ, somebody just asked me about the Thursday night tradition for the Gophers to open now. How has that evolved and do you like that? No, I definitely do like it. Uh, you know, we have two bye weeks this uh, this year. I think the Thursday night uh, allows our fans to be able to get there. It kicks off the weekend uh, for everybody, gives everybody a long weekend. Um, not only that, it gives you an extra bye week in there as well. So we have two bye weeks, plus we have an extra long weekend. And, again, it helps to be able to produce uh, that much time when you're heading out west to go to Fresno the following week. So um, I really like it. I love, though, Thursday night, open it up. Um, there's a lot of chances, depending on what day it falls. Uh, we're not able to recruit this weekend, but usually we could have done that. Um, but I, I like it. It gives us extra time for the following week, and it kind of gives you two and a half by weeks total for the entire year because you kind of use that for a little bit of rest for your players and some more preparation for the coaches. PJ, we're live out here at the State Fair. I've had questions already about two subjects. One is who's your backup quarterback going into Thursday night? And second, the uh, status of some of the players who were injured and recovered in the offseason, who will and who will not be ready to play on Thursday? Uh, in terms of the backup quarterback situation, both guys have to be ready. Uh, you know, Coach Kramer's done a great job of getting better. And, you know, I give him a lot of credit uh, from the offensive system. You know, tons of winning tradition at Eaton Prairie for sure. Um, but in terms of the way our system works compared to their system, it's very different. And he had almost basically relearned the quarterback position. I give him a lot of credit for, for developing who he has become in such a short amount of time. And then Jacob Clark, the young man from Texas, they both have to be ready. So um, if we ever get in a position, they're both going to have to be able to help, and they know that, uh, as well as Seth Green with the Wildcat stuff. So, um, you know, we've got to uh, 
we've got to find a way to get those guys even more prepared in the, in the short amount of time that we have. Um, so we're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to getting those guys out there. So what was your other question? Uh, the injured players, a couple running backs, yeah. Winfield. Uh, well, the injured players, I mean, those guys, they're not considered injured players anymore. You know, they're not. I mean, Antoine and Rodney have been practicing and playing for a while now. Um, you know, Shannon is still, um, you know, coming back. Uh, again, his his injury was a little bit different than Rodney's, so uh, he took a little bit longer um, to get back. But he's getting closer and closer as, uh, as the days go by. Will you play more than one quarterback in this game? Uh, we'll see. I uh, cannot answer that question just yet. Uh, I do not know what what will happen. So uh, we're prepared for every situation. Okay, so how is the first game preparation different than any other game in that you're not quite sure? You know, over the years there's some legendaries where a team came out and uh, Minnesota fans remember the, the run-and-shoot story of, uh, you know, 40 goes back 40 years when and they ran it against Ohio State. But how, how does that change your preparation uh, when it's the first game and you're not completely sure what another team is going to do because they haven't put anything on tape this year? Yeah, that means you really got to focus on yourselves as much as you possibly can. you got to play your style of football the best you possibly can, offense, defense, and special teams. You don't know what they're going to put at you, uh, just like they don't know what we're going to put onto them right away. There's no film to be able to back it up. And, you know, you have film from prior years, but that only goes so far. So you've got to be ready for everything. You've got to play sound. You've got to put your players in the right position to be successful. And then you've got to be able to adjust and adapt throughout the course of the game. PJ, it's uh, 8 o'clock on Thursday night. You uh, win the coin toss. What do you decide to do? <laughs> I can't tell you that right now. That's <laughs> but you know. Of course I know already. It's just part of my philosophy. All right. <laughs> Who's going to be your captains for the first game? How many captains will you have this year? How are you going to do that? Well, we just voted on our leadership council, which um, you know I, I give our players a lot of credit in the last few years. Our, our leadership council was very large. We were developing leaders uh, you know, left and right. It wasn't that they were the leaders of the team. We had to develop leaders from day one that we got here. So our players voted on it. They wanted the leadership council to be cut in half, so we voted on that. Uh, I think there's 28 total players in our leadership council this year, which is half from last year, which is good, meaning that these are true leaders. We don't have to develop everybody into leaders. These are true leaders that can take care of the team. Uh, and then we have our board of directors, which we call it, which we do smaller groups. A lot of the seniors, the upperclassmen, are a part of that as well. Um, but the captains, they won't be picked uh, until Wednesday's practice, so uh, I'll keep that close to the vest uh, for, for uh, our program's sake. Sid, your question. Do you hope to play a lot of players in this game? Well, we do. We have to do whatever it takes to win the football game, Sid, and that's, that's what we're going to do. Um, you know, South Dakota State, we respect them a lot. They've, they've done a tremendous job over a long period of time. They're a really good football team. Uh, back in 2016, people forget they put up 41 points against TCU, uh, who was ranked 13th in the country at one point. This is a really good football team. This is a very dangerous football team. Uh, and again, people can say what they want about whether it's FCS or, you know, we don't look at that. It's a, it's a player, it's a, it's a team on our schedule that we have to play our absolute best uh, on that particular day uh, to find a way to win. PJ, we had another question from the audience. Somebody said, uh, who decides which of the various uniform combinations that you're going to wear for a particular home game? It's a combination. That's a good question. A combination between our equipment staff uh, who provide options, myself, and then part of the leadership council. So uh, players are involved, equipment managers are involved, and I'm involved. Sid? Mike? Well, PJ, appreciate it very much. And I, we know that this is game week, so it's a rush week for you. But uh, thank you for getting Let's share it for PJ Fleck out here at the fair.
A lot of these folks will be out there. Thank you for adjusting your schedule, and good luck, and hopefully we can talk to you next week. You got everybody enjoy those fried olives and those sweet <laughs> game. Hey, go, go. Dave, we got a bonus guest, man. We, we talk about instant replay in the NFL and who comes by. But a Super Bowl referee, Bernie Kukar, he'll join us next right here on yeah. the Sports Huddle. Bernie Kukar in the house. Stay with us. All right, we're live at the State Fair. You're listening to Sports Huddle. Sid, Dave, and Mike. Hey, good. All right, we are back live here at the fair before we get to our guest. Sid, I know you've got a couple of things that you want to say. I wanted to say there a lot of tickets for the Gopher South Dakota football game, and they have some discount tickets too. And, of course, uh, always uh, PGA Fleck, he goes to Murray's for being on the show. All right, Mike, uh, I can't remember the history of the sports huddle that we've had a major league umpire and an NFL official yeah, on the same a show. a World Series umpire and a Super Bowl referee. Say it, let's hear it for Bernie Kukar, one of Minnesota's <laughs> finest. Bernie worked the Super Bowl twice as the head referee, and Bernie, uh, I'll get right to it because everybody's got the same questions about replay and pass interference. What, what are we going to see this year? Is it going to slow it down? Or is it going to make the game better? I can hardly understand it myself at this point. <laughs> I don't know where it's going to stop now. Before this year, this is the first time ever allowed instant replay to call penalties. Yep. Never been done before. So, didn't, I don't know. The jury is out on this one. I think you're going to see a lot of situations where they're not going to fool around with until, what, the last two minutes of the game. Somebody, one of the NFL current referees told me biggest concern is the Hail Mary. Because in the end zone, yeah. everybody's jumping out. There's, there's got to be contact. How, how is a replay not going to pick up a pass interference? That's a good question. I always told my guys on any Hail Mary passes, don't call anything unless you knock the guy into the stand. <laughs> yep. I mean, you've got 10 or 15 people jumping up after a ball. There's all kinds of contact. So who are you going to call it on? Yep. I don't know how they're going to do that, to be honest with you. Bernie, uh, how long did your active career as an NFL official span? And is there a mandatory retirement age now for NFL officials? There is, is no mandatory retirement age. At one time, they tried to get rid of guys at the age of 60, but you remember the name Ben Dreith? Yeah. He sued them for age discrimination, and he won, so they can't do it. But if they want to get rid of you, they can find a way to do it. <laughs> My career lasted 22 years in the NFL and 21 in the college ranks before that, so 43 years of officiating. You think I'd get smart sooner than that. <laughs> was one more fun than the other? The NFL more fun than uh, college football or vice versa? Well, I think college football, you got more of the hoopla stuff. Rah, rah. You know, the bands and the cheerleaders and all that. The NFL, they do have cheerleaders, but they don't. I think the last band I saw might have been in San Francisco. Yeah. And that was a number of years ago. So you don't have that kind of an atmosphere. It's more of a business at yep. that point. Bernie, I think Sid has a question here. What about uh, young officials? Have they done a good, good job of replacing all the veterans like yourself? Young officials, is there a good influx coming behind the guys that are retiring? Oh, yes. We, they have a situation now where they have what they call their taxi squad for officials. What they're doing is they're going to the major colleges, the Big Ten, the SEC, and they're uh, looking for officials. And then when they find people they think might be able to do the job in the NFL, they have about 22 of them that are still in the college level, but during the preseason, 
those 22 guys will go with the NFL officials to a game, and they might let them officiate one half of the game. Bernie, uh, Tim Cheetah talked about evaluation systems and how the standards have gone up and up and up. Could you talk about how NFL officials are evaluated and the kind of reports sure. you can feedback you sure. get? People aren't aware of it, but every official on the field is graded on every single play of every single game all season long. Whether they're involved with the play or not, were they in the right position? Did they get the right mechanics, etc., etc., etc.? Then at the end of the year, they total up all the points for the entire season, and the guy with the highest grade at his position will be in the Super Bowl. And the ones that are grading out number two and number three will be in the championship games and so on down the line. But yes, they are graded, and uh, if you're not going to be in the higher grades for like six or seven years consecutive, they're going to get adios, amigos. There's a turnover about 7% every year in the NFL, and some of it is natural attrition, but a lot of it is they release guys. You know, the other thing is you're a referee and you watch and you see violent collisions in plays, and, and now that we're really watching this for concussions and whatnot, we saw Andrew Luck retire from football yes. uh, last night at age 29, in part because of just the rigors of the game, etc. cetera. Uh, w- what is a referee's responsibility? Because a player's always going to try to play through it and stay in the game. Yeah. Well, the officials, the first and foremost, their main responsibility is to prevent health problems. And that's what they look for. If there's a problem on the field, if some guy is using his head for a battering ram or if they hit a guy late, that's the ones that you have to get. And sooner or later, the players get the message. You can't do this anymore. It's kind of come full boat now. When I was playing back in the 60s, they taught us that you keep your head up and you hit with your shoulder. Then it evolved into, I don't know, about 20 years later, you use your head for a battering ram. Now it's coming back the other way again. Yep. And I played for John Gillardy up yep. at St. John's. He was teaching that stuff 65 years ago. He was way ahead Same of his time. Same stuff they're teaching today. Yeah. Yeah, you don't need to hit during practice. Yeah. and We never hit anybody in practice. And he always thought, why would you do that? You're going to kill him off before the game. So <laughs> we never had any live scrimmages. Yeah, Bernie Sizz got you another question. You think you retire too early? Did you retire too well, early? I don't know if he called it too early. I was 66 years old, and you can't run as fast anymore, Sid, when you hit 66. Maybe you could. Sid can, yeah. <laughs> hey, Bernie, I'm you know, uh, the Super Bowl basically is an all-star team of the highest-rated officials. How important was it working as part of a team? Because you got to know those guys. They were like family. Yes. Well, when you get to those playoff games, we've already officiated probably with all of those guys at one time or another. They changed the crews around from year to year. So I probably worked with every, every time I was in a so, Super Bowl, which were three of them, those officials I already knew, they may not have been on my crew that year, but I had them in prior years. So you know what they're like. Most of the time, the guys in the Super Bowl probably had about anywhere from 12 to 18 years of experience. It's not like they're rookies. So they've seen it all, and that's the guys that you will see in the Super Bowl. You, you told me once that... Uh, uh, you have a lot of communication with the quarterback during the course of a game. And you said you can kind of tell who the good quarterbacks are because it's the ones that get the least involved in the officiating. That's exactly right. The real good quarterbacks, I mean, talking about the Bradys and the Elways and Farves and those guys, Jim Kelly, they never say a word to the officials on the field. Never. It's the maybe the also Rams are not real great quarterbacks. They complain about everything. 
Bernie, uh, we want to thank you, uh, an unscheduled guest, but what a treat. You get a, a local Super Bowl official with us. Uh, we got uh, Harrison Smith and uh, Xavier Rhodes coming up here next. If you got a question for Bernie, maybe Bernie, as he goes off the stage, you can meet him over here, and we you know, go ahead and continue that conversation. We need to take a break before we talk Viking football in about three minutes. We are live at the Minnesota State Fair, and you're listening to Sports Huddle with Sid, Dave, and Mike. Welcome back, Sports Huddle. Let's hear it for Harrison Smith and Xavier Rhodes up on the front porch from the Minnesota Vikings. You guys are here with the sleep number bed. You got a good night's sleep, I'm sure, last night after a game. But what are you doing out here at the fair? Uh, we just out here for sleep number and um, selling beds and having fun. He's he's <laughs> so he was Carl. Yes, Carl. Thomas, I was, actually. I was Josiah Davidson, but I go by <laughs> Joe, and we were trying to sell beds. But we were we were terrible. Yeah, really terrible. We were, we're bad salesmen. Yes. We're, we need to stick to what we, <laughs> what we know, yeah. Stick to football, but exactly. Let me ask you a question before we get into the, the Vikings part of it, but uh, Andrew Luck retired last night, and you guys have played against him. Uh, you, what's your take on that in, in the rigors of football and, you know, the, 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 everybody's different, but how does that strike you when you see somebody in, in the prime of their career? Um, you know, I, as a player, you see it one way, and as like a football enthusiast, you see it another. So, um, you know, we know, you know, it, it's a hard game. It's a game that if you don't love it, it's it's, it's, it's hard to mm. to play. And um, and not only that, but you know, injury luck and things like that. So, um, you know, I'm sure he's happy with his decision, and you know, that's kind of not. We're, you know, Vikings yeah. only, but yeah, but it's played it's against a tough the guy. Sport, have yeah. a ton of respect for him, and um, you know, if it's if if it's the best thing for him, then it's the yeah, best thing and, for him. And and to, the, and to make that type of decision, you know, at, at, at his age and how many years, it's you can tell it's pretty tough on him. But you know, I respect him as a, you know making that decision and actually looking like paying a ticket to himself and knowing like it came to a point where like he couldn't do it anymore mentally. So, like, it's hard for a player to actually go through that when you've been doing it all your life. So, like, I can actually feel his emotions and everything what he was going through because it's really hard as a player to let the game go. Play a lot better. Start again. You think you can play a lot better? You played against Arizona? Well, Harrison, you didn't straight, straight, the straight to the point. <laughs> Sid, 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 there's no fluff there. He wants answers. Um, I, yeah, I think so, Sid. I think so. You know, you're f- normally feeling some things out in the preseason and, uh, you know, try to get those things corrected before we play for real. Yeah, you know, this, like I say, this, like I was saying earlier in my earlier interview, like it's the preseason, you know, it's to the point where we just get all the kinks, get everything out there, and once the regular season comes, we should have everything fixed and ready to go. Do you guys know pretty much already you will not be playing in that fourth exhibition game, which is usually guys who are in the, the bubble trying to make the team? Uh, we don't. We don't like necessarily know. We know what's happened in the past, but um, you know, if if coach tells us we're playing, then we'll go play. Uh, Put it like this: yeah. you can't predict what Coach Zim is going to yeah. do or say. <laughs> what was it like in your first training camps versus now? When you know you see these rookies out there, everybody's trying to make a name. What was you guys are both first round draft picks, but you still feel the spotlight and the pressure of it. What what are what's that first training camp like for an NFL player? It's uh it's fast. Everything, everything is fast. It's all kind of a blur, um, like checking in, just getting into your, you know, when you're a rookie, they, I guess it's not like that anymore. Now everything's really nice. But my rookie year, we had like a little 
thin twin mattress on the floor oh of the gosh. of the dorm yes. in um, Mankato. Oh. So that's kind of gone, but that's gone. Um, we had you. that, and then you know meetings. You're trying to learn everything. You're just kind of drinking through a fire hose, and um, and then the game is much faster. Uh, but it's fun, and and you're learning, and you're around guys. Like when I came in, it was Adrian Peterson and mm-hmm. Jared Allen, and like when you're when you get on a team and you're with those superstars, you realize like, okay, I really got to play well, because I'm on. The, I, Jared Allen's rushing the quarterback. Like I gotta I gotta do my job on the back end. And it's kind of a reality check. And then, you know, being in, being in the league for so long now, seven years, going on seven, you realize as time go on, you know how to approach camp. You know, you try to coach these guys, the rookies and the young fellas, on how they can go about going through camp. You know, one thing about it, like we like were sleep numbers, number one thing is, is sleep. You have to rest. You have to, get your, you have to get the fuel. You have to get your body together because if you don't, it's, you're prone to injuries. And um, so we just trying to get these guys to understand everything about about camp. Sid? Has yeah. his defense changed a lot? Have they changed defense a lot from last year? Changed the defense a lot? Uh, I mean, we're always working on things. Um, you know, you can't stay completely the same. But, um, you know, we have a lot of familiar faces and a lot of coaches that we've played for for, for a number of years. So there's some familiarity there. And uh, with some things that we can do, uh, but you know we're always we're always trying to get better in different ways. Harrison, do you uh, attribute much of the Vikings' success to the fact they quit taking Notre Dame guys in the first round? <laughs> that 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 could be some of it. Um, I think when I got here we had like five or six Notre Dame guys on the team. I think now we're down to down to two for now. Uh, yeah, we're getting more Florida State guys. Uh, so I think that's I think that's working out all right. You know, you moved to camp in Egan from Mankato. You guys got to live through both. And uh, obviously this complex at Egan is just, it's kind of mind-boggling when you go out there as a fan and they see it. What advantages does it offer a player to be at home, so to speak, during training camp? Uh, I can answer that because, you know, we both can, actually. You know, just being home, not being too far from the family. You know, sometimes you need that, that break where you can go see your family and actually, you know, relax and be able to come back with a fresh mind, fresh body, you know, and come back and just have, go back and give it all, give it your all. Harrison? Yeah, they, you know, it's it's obviously nice to be where we always are. I, th- I think it's really great for the operations guys. Uh, they don't have to move everything down. Um, but there's also something to be said about kind of like the grind of camp and like being together and you get, like we've been together enough, but now we're together all day like you kind of get sick of the guy but you also like <laughs> learn everything about him so there's something good about that aspect of it and then you and then you get the benefits of being close to everything as well Harrison what what goals do you guys have to share you must want to go to the Super Bowl right yeah I mean we can you can always talk about those goals and those are I mean obviously that's that's why we play um, but really the goals that we can address right now are are the simple things and it's always the cliche answer of like working better today and you know getting one step better but that's that's the reality of it if you're just thinking about winning it all from day one you're not taking any steps to get there you have to work on today work on right now uh, and not take these practices for granted that we have um, so I think that's I think that's the mindset of of the teams that end up making a strong push 
Xavier, uh, people tend to look at you know cap management. They look two, three years down the road. Do you feel a sense of exposure getting to be one of the higher paid guys? And does that does that ever get seep into your mind saying, well, I played with these guys my entire career, and at some point, salary measure, you know, they start looking at the higher end guys. And, you know, can you renegotiate? I mean, it's, there's a lot of complicated things involved in putting a, a roster together and keeping a team together. I mean, I, I don't really think as far ahead as that, but I know it's probably soon to come, you know, as you get older. But, but if it comes, to, when it comes, it comes. You know, like, I love playing with Harry. I love playing with these guys. So when that time comes, it's going to come. We make the decision around that time. You know, I got to say, though, you two have been together for a little while. But pe- I don't know if people realize this or not, but you two do have a special bond. Uh, you guys don't see it in the locker room. We do. Uh, there, there's there's a kinship. There's a brotherhood here. Uh, you deflect e- questions to each other. Yeah. Harrison, what was it like when you first met Xavier and vice versa, and how did that evolve? <laughs> oh, uh, the first time I met I met Xavier. That's a good question because now, like, we know each other so well. Yes. He was a little quieter back then. Mm-hmm. I was quiet, too. So yeah. we, I don't think we spoke for, like, a year maybe. <laughs> like, we were cool. But we just we didn't talk a lot. We didn't talk a lot. Yeah. But Matt Harrison, Harry, and uh, what did Dale say? How I was as a rookie? What? How I was as a rookie? How you were as a rookie? Yeah. He was a bad rookie. <laughs> like when you come in, the like the rookie, it, we're like everyone's easy on the rookies now. There's no, it's not like the old days. Really, all you do is like you get snacks for the meeting rooms. Yeah. And he wouldn't get them. I like, wouldn't. He get just him. thought See, it was like, <laughs> he just wouldn't get them. We were like, you got this first round contract. The guy won't even buy us some chips. <laughs> so, you came so in with Cordero bad. Patterson and Floyd, also first-rounders. Yeah. You kept passing it off to him. And now he's he's the one that demands the Not snacks. Demand oh, the he didn't even do it. That guy, isn't yeah. It? yeah. So it's gone full circle. Yeah. Gentlemen, we know you got a busy schedule today. Thank you very much. Best two weeks from today. It starts for real against Atlanta. Let's hear it for Xavier Rhodes and Harrison Smith from the Minnesota hey, Vikings. I'll get you guys both a certificate to Murray's, the best steak in town. You're both getting Absolutely. certificates to Murray's. Absolutely. Plus. Sid always hooks us up. Plus, the sleep number bed, stop on by, uh, even if you guys aren't there during Carl the Carl and right? Josiah, we'll yes. take care of you. Yes. <laughs> we sent you. Back with Jake Cave after this. You're listening to the Sports Huddle Live from the State Fair. All right, we are back here live at the State Fair. It's been such a busy morning. We haven't had a chance to talk about the first place Minnesota Twins. One of the hottest hitters for the Twins is Jake Cave, and Jake joins us by telephone right now. Sid? Mr. Cave, what has turned your career around? It's been amazing hitting home runs, getting big hits. You certainly weren't doing this last year. And the second question, talk about your career with the Yankees. Um, Yeah, it's – well, I'll start with the career with the Yankees, I guess. Um, (laughs) It was – you know, I was drafted in 2011 by the Yankees out of high school. And, you know, I worked my way through the minor leagues there, and I got to AAA. And I played well in AAA, but I just, you know, I really didn't have anywhere to – Really didn't have anywhere to go. There were some guys that were in front of me. Um, and then the Yankees uh, traded me over to the Twins. And then last year I made my debut with the Twins. And, um, yeah, this year, you know, I've been up and down through AAA and the Billies with the Twins a few times. But this last call up, I've, uh, you know, gotten some consistent playing time with some injuries and stuff. And yeah, I feel really good. I feel good at the plate. And uh, um, the team's, uh, you know, we're looking to finish the year strong. 
Jake, you, you know, your father, you and I have talked about this at the clubhouse before, but your father is a coach, college coach. Uh, you, what did that do for you growing up? I mean, did, did, were you always taught properly the right way to hit, or does it only matter if you have a great passion for the game? How did that evolve for you, and what role did he play for you? Yeah, my my dad, you know, is a Division three coach in our area, and he's been a coach there for, you know, 40-plus years. Um, so it wasn't so much. He never really pushed the game on me or anything. It's just I loved being around the game, and I loved being out there around the guys, and it it made me love the game. And, you know, there was nothing I'd rather do than play baseball from, you know, ever since I was a young age. So it's really, you know, I had a passion for the game, and my dad helped me um, in anything, any questions I had to ask him about the game. And I just hung out around him and his players, and I learned baseball through that. Jake, you've had a chance to play center field and right field with the Twins. Center field, fairly straight away, not a lot of uh, tricks to learn. How do you learn to play right field out there with the various uh, bounces that you can get? Ricochets, when to when to go back on a ball, when to play the ricochet. I assume you just take hundreds of balls out there. Yeah, it's it's um, it's different. You know, all fields are different, and Minnesota is unique with that big wall and right. Then there's a hard concrete wall with the flower bed on it. And then down the right field line, there's some corners, some angles. So it's uh, it's tough, but really the only way that you can um, the only way you can get better is when you you can take as many fly balls as you want from a coach hitting them with a fungo. But the real way to do it is during batting practice, and instead of just hanging out and talking during batting practice, you go out in the outfield and you actually read the ball like it's a live game. What about the team? You think you can get back where you were, eleven and a half games ahead, and now you're struggling what do you think's uh, the future with the team yeah i mean i wouldn't say we're we're struggling you know we've lost some we've lost some tough games here in the past in the past few days um you know they the guys have thrown some some of the pitchers have thrown some of the better games that they're that they've thrown all year against us and uh we've had some tough games um but yeah i think i think we're going to be fine um i think you know, on this last stretch this last month of the season i think we're really going to do well and we're gonna. Um, I think we're gonna win the division, go to the playoffs. Jake, uh, you prepare for Detroit again today. It's been a, a little bit of a slugfest here the last couple of nights. But is is what? Explain what it's like to be in the Twins dugout. It doesn't seem like three, four, five run deficits phase you guys much. Can you explain what that feels like as a player to have that core belief that in the fourth or fifth inning, even if you're down, that there's still so much thunder left in the lineup? What does that feel like as a player? Because that's kind of rare air that you're in right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun, man. Everybody knows that one through nine in our order, we can really turn the game around. Um, I think yesterday I let off an inning with a double, and I was so confident on second base that I was going to score with those guys hitting after me. Um, you know, we got Kepler and Kepler, Cruz, and and Maggie, and all these guys who can just impact the game in so many ways um, that you know we never think we're out of the game. Hey, Jake, on the home run last night to center, at what point did you know that ball was out? It wasn't going to hit part of that, that overhang. It looked close on the replay, but you looked confident from uh, when you left the batter's box. Yeah, I, uh, I, I knew I got it right away. Uh, some, <laughs> some people ask me that. You same. know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. If you just start to you just start to kind of get a, get a feel of which one is going to be too close and which one's going to get there. Um, but I, I think I knew pretty, pretty quick. Sid? Must be really happy playing every day, where for a long time you sat on the bench. Yeah, no, it's fun. I, you know, I'm just my, you know, that's my job here is to give a, you know, whenever I get a chance to play, is to give it everything I've got. And you know, I've got some really good outfielders out there with me, so 
you know, whenever they need rest, if anybody's banged up or anything like that, you know, I just hope that I can come in and contribute. Sid, tell him what he won for being on this show. J.K. will send Dustin a Murray certificate, the best thing in town. Perfect. That's my favorite spot. Thank yep. you for being with us. Thanks, Jake. Good luck All right. today. All right, thanks. All right, now I Jake uh, and for J.K. Uh, we've got about uh, five more minutes here. Let's talk some about the Twins. Uh, Sid, you expressed some uh, doubt about the Twins. Boy, yeah. Boy, Jake Cave sounded a lot more confident about the team than you do. About the Twins? Yeah. Well, they, they won a game yesterday. They have to beat the White Sox. They have to beat uh, Detroit. And they haven't done that lately. Uh, they won a big game yesterday. The pitching has got to improve. Uh, look what's happened to uh, Barrios. He's just gone crazy. No, none of the pitching has been any good. And I think they made a big mistake by getting a good start. Look, they're missing a good start right now. Yeah, I'll ask both of you guys this question. We're getting greedy here, and this is kind of fun, right? You get to look at playoff matchups. Dave, who would who do you think they match up with the best in the playoffs? And then, Sid, you take it. Boy, uh, that's a tough question. Tough question, isn't it? It really is, because I could find – I mean, as Sid mentioned, the starting pitching, and, you know, it's so it's hard to answer that because you just don't know what they're going to get out of their starters, Mike. Uh, you know, in the playoffs, if you have a reliable bullpen, you maybe even four innings out of a starter with the way they've been able to jump out to a lead could, could be helpful. I think we're going to see some changes. I think they're going to bring up a couple of people. They they went as long with Harper, I think, as they dared. They, Harper was great early, but I think he got figured out. I think Gratterall is going to come up and be one of those guys that could come in, you know, throw 103 miles an hour, get maybe two guys out. Uh, I think uh, we saw a little bit of preview yesterday. They're not afraid to use a relief pitcher for five outs. Four outs. We're not. We're not down to that one run rule. So, uh, but it's going to be the pitching. I'm confident they can hit with anybody. I just don't know how well their pitching will hold up. Yeah, Odorizzi would go game one if it started the day. But after that, I mean, all bets are almost well, off. I, I, I wouldn't rule out Michael Pineda. I, I think yes, Pineda, when you look at it, may have been one of their most reliable starters. If your decision on a starter is give me five good innings. Sid, who do you think's the best team in the American League? How about uh, let's talk about Kepler for a minute. He's gone crazy. It's unbelievable how he's improved from last year to this year. He's hitting those left-handed pitchers like like Gingberger. Besides getting home runs, getting all kinds of hits, he's been amazing. And and I'll say this because I, I was an advocate for moving Sano. I'll tell you what he he has saved them many nights. He is the Sano that we thought we saw when he came up four years ago. Uh, As the stroke is back, he's learning the strike zone. He's going to the opposite field. And when he got that one last night, even before he swung, he said that guy did not mean to leave a pitch in the middle of the plate. I don't know how long it took from bat to to stands, but that was a huge home run. They got to find a way to beat the White Sox and beat Detroit. Lately, they haven't beaten each of them, except yesterday. But the White Sox took two out of three from Detroit, won a surge from them. Now they go on the road to Detroit and White Sox again, and they got to dominate them if they want to uh, be a wild card or, or be a 
When is the division? Uh, big loss for Cleveland yesterday. I haven't seen the papers yet this morning. Ramirez is a key player for them. If he's, oh, out, oh. If he's out long-term, that's going to be a terrible loss for in Cleveland. In fact, they've done an unbelievable job of staying in this race. They really have uh, with a patchwork lineup, but he is absolutely critical. He's one of their best players. If he's out long-term, I don't think Cleveland can overcome that. And to answer your question, the Yankees scare me more than anybody yeah, else. Yeah, especially playing at Yankee Stadium. I saw Buxton this week, and I talked to him a little bit at training camp last week. And, you know, they, they really want to get this right this time because they're going to bring him back. But I think the thing that they're going to have to debate with him is how long he goes on assignment because they want him on assignment. He doesn't want to be there long, and they're going to figure that out. Yeah, Mike, they've got two players that concern me on the batting side. One is Crone, who's had a great first half. His second half is very mediocre, and Scope has just about disappeared. Sit pitching has got to improve. <laughs> There's no die about that. You can repeat that ten times. If that's pitching, don't re- don't re- don't re- improve. So you can okay, take that. That's your takeaway from the day of sports tunnel. Mark Coyle not far away, but pitching is the key for the Twins. Yeah, Mark Coyle's in house. We will be out here at 11:05 with Mark Coyle, Manny Lagos. Be there after that. We'll have some open conversation. You never know who's going to stop by. We didn't know that Bernie Cooker was going to stop by. So uh, it's going to be a fun last hour. We hope you stick around for it. You have been a great, great crowd ever since we got here at 9 o'clock this morning. We've got another hour to go. Stick around. Join us on the Sports Huddle. We're live at the Minnesota State Fair, and you've been listening and are listening to the Sports Huddle with Mike, Sid, and Dave. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.